So welcome to today's Bobblecast. It's not going to be quite dramatic as the music that we've just heard. Um, it is Halloween week and it was a bit of a horror show at St Mary's. But it's a one-off result and we'll add some context to that. It's me, Witch. Uh, Mitch is, is on his leave this week. Um, so we're joined by uh, Matt Keenan and Anthony Ditchfield. So the easiest part probably to start um, when we reviewing it is looking at the lineup. Uh, I'll, I'll come to yourself first, Tony. Um, obviously, there was a few question marks who would come in because of the obvious um, absentees. Uh, were you surprised at the lineup? Was Was there anything you would have done differently? To be honest with you, it was um, exactly how I expected. Um, considering what was available. And, you know, I thought it was like a Wobie's big chance to go and prove himself. Um, unfortunately, he didn't. Yeah, again, you know, I think uh, Iwobi certainly one that, that's come in a couple of times and has shown a, a bit of promise again. You know, obviously that that was a big decision. Um, you know, to bring him in to to replace Richardson. Um, we you about the same there, Matt? We we uh, pretty much agree in agreement with the starting eleven. Yeah, that's exactly how how I thought it was going to be. To be honest, that when we heard that um, Rodriguez might be might be playing, I did expect him to start. So yeah, I I wasn't surprised by the lineup. I was surprised how he played, but I wasn't surprised how we thought about the team he made. He named sorry. I think I was I I'd said on the Bobblers group earlier on. I I was a bit different in the way I, I looked at that, wasn't I, when I was talking about uh, being worried about Iwobi and Gilfie both coming in at like a pace. Um, for me, I, I, I was looking at that and think we need to change how we play. Obviously, Richardson's very direct and I think on the Bobblers actually I'd, I'd said that I was maybe a brought, bizarrely, was brought Fabian Delphin instead of Gilfie and I played to Kure's a, a more advanced eight and, and just asked him to get closer to uh, to Dominic Carvalho-Lewin. Obviously, uh, the worry also always for me is when we play Gilfie and Awobi, they're not really pace setters. Um, I, I, you know, so, sometimes the the tempo that they play at is slightly slower um, and I was worried about our, our ability to really get up towards Dominic Carvalho-Lewin support him. Um, and... Yeah, no, it, it was a big chance, really. Gilfie Sigurdsson's been banging form for Iceland. He's had a couple of good games in the Cup, and Awobi's shown a few signs of brilliance, uh, it, you know, in, in isolation, in small moments in games, and this was his chance to come in there, um, and he, he just didn't prove it. And I think we'll, we'll come on to the actual game itself. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Matt, uh, this time. Um, what was your uh, major observation from the game? Um, just... Really, just how unbalanced everything looked. Um, yeah, it, it was. We were overloaded down the wings. Um, Rodriguez didn't look at it. Allen looked unfit, and we just we were getting swamped and totally outplayed all over the place, which isn't like us this season. Yeah, would you agree on that, Tony? Yeah, totally agree. Um, to be honest, yeah, I think that international break was totally tough. It all out of our players. Um, they look tired. The press, the press that's been there this season wasn't there at all. And obviously, they've targeted that right back. You know, Ashley Lunkle said they hadn't targeted them. They obviously had because everything was coming down that wing. And it exposed them. It just shows you how much. I mean, Coleman's had his critics, but it just shows you how important Coleman is to us. It's an interesting one, Coleman, isn't it? You know, I, I, I think I've been open and honest probably about 12 months ago suggesting that we should bring someone else in. Uh, but, you know, we think he's certainly up to his game this year so far. Uh, and it, it, like you say there, that the balance, uh, you know, down the wings and and the full-backs is quite important sometimes. Obviously, Richardson has a very high work rate down the left. And that's going forwards and backwards as well and making interceptions. Um, I think there was a stat there that Awobi made zero interceptions in the first half. Um, and again, Digne probably stood up, you know, Luca Dean probably stood out as, as having a poor performance. But, he, he, you know, he again, he was a lot more exposed than he normally would be if Richardson was playing in front of him. And then Rodriguez obviously relies heavily on Coleman getting down the, uh, the flank and, and, and almost taking their full back away from him. With his runs and overlapping, oh, yeah, and obviously Rodriguez didn't have that. With with Godfrey, it was a lot more conservative. Um, it, it's to say the least. He, he didn't look right in that position. 
Um, so a, a lot of the time, Rodriguez could be doubled up on, and you know he, he couldn't really get into the game. So uh, it, it's all knock-on effects, isn't it? And I think that the balance was totally throughout um, as a result of, of the players that were missing. Exactly. Uh, Godfrey, um, you know, it, it's a big ask for him, isn't it, uh, Tony? You know, obviously, as you say, Goldman being out, and, and, and you know, it was evidence that that we missed him. Um, should we read too much into it? That you know his performance. No, no, definitely not. Because um, at the end of the day, he's a centre half. He's not meant to be playing right back. It's only his second game for us in a new team. So when you look into it, he's going to be to me. He'll be a top class centre half. Um, but obviously, it shows. Obviously, I mean, John Joe Kenny getting injured, but I still thought we should have brought another right back. Um, because obviously Coleman is aging, but obviously he's been good this season. And personally, I don't think Kenny is good enough, but, you know, he's injured and, you know, we were exposed to it. Yeah, so, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, obviously, you talk about Kenny there, um, you know, he's had his, you know, his, his doubters, I wouldn't say his critics, but more doubters, whether, um, you know, he, he can can come into that position and make it his own. Uh, Matt, would you be bringing him straight back in as a result of Godfrey's performance? Obviously, in mind that Coleman's uh, not going to be available. To come in and do a job, to be honest. Um, I don't think he would be a starter, but the position we're in, I think he's the obvious choice. I think he's going to have to come in and do a job if he's fit. Um, I don't think Godfrey can play there, to be honest, he didn't. But that, maybe I'm being a bit unfair on Godfrey because no one played well, to be honest. He's clearly a good player, but can we really judge him on that performance and say he can't play right back? Because, you know, we give him another chance there, maybe he can, but... At the moment, I think I'd probably go with Kenny if he's fit. Yeah, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it, it, it's easy to jump on one performance and look at individuals. Uh, and we'll kind of come on to that when we talk about the context shortly. Uh, but I think sometimes having that natural fullback about you, you know, with the, the position of the fullback's totally different. Um, I'll never forget when I, when I, you know, at a very modest level, I played centre-half and got brought down to play for Sainsdale at the time. Has asked me to come down and, I was a centre-half and always I've been centre-half and tried to play me left-back and I just felt totally out of sorts playing there. Um, and it's only one position down, but, you know, it makes a big difference in terms of your confidence and your natural positioning on the field. I know, I know that, obviously, uh, Godfrey's went on loan on it, hasn't he? And he's played central midfield, uh, but, you know, it's a totally different position. I think central midfield almost is a more natural fifth for centre-half to move into a defensive yeah. central midfield fit to actually play on you know, on, on some well, Lescott's probably one of the only centre halves I've known in Everton that has comfortably been able to do it. Um, you know, with some ability. Um, so I think, yeah, no, I think you're quite right there. We shouldn't jump on Godfrey. You know, he's been asked to do something that's not natural to him. And you know, in terms of reading into that too much, there's probably nothing to read into it at all. Um, something I have noticed, uh, and this goes with Coleman as well. Um, so it's more designed towards our centre half. We do seem quite susceptible um, to, to to like a cutback cross. And yeah. and what I mean by that is a couple of times, uh, you know, uh, Liverpool and Palace done it as well. Uh, they've worked, you know, the, the the fullbacks have worked the line and been able to rather than flash it across goal, pull the cutback uh, cross. Obviously, Mane's goal came from that. And I think Liverpool had a second chance off the exact same scenario again when the, you know, the striker was totally free in the box. And I did notice against uh, Southampton again, twice I think Ing should have scored right at the start. It was almost like a, a carbon copy again, you know, work the line, pull it back. And our, our, both centre-halves had gone chasing towards the goal and just switched off to the man. Yeah. Um, so there was a discussion online. I, I, I think we put it on the Bobblers um, Twitter, and someone said, "I think that's the centre mids um, responsibility." Where do you stand with that, Matt? I, I wouldn't say it's the centre mids responsibility because it, it's the responsibility of everyone to cover any any position that might come up on the yeah. pitch, really, isn't it? Because they're all supposed to be able to slot in in different places as, as different phases of play are going on around the pitch. So I, I can see why someone would say that, but I, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't hang me ass on that as like a, an absolute definite. No, no, I, don't. I think it's just something we've got to be wary of. You know, it's again, it's hyper analysing just one bad performance. Um, but it's a, yeah. you know, it's over a couple of games. You know, I've noticed that there's a bit of a trend of this, uh, and the other the other trend I picked up on is we are playing a very deep line on set pieces. Um, I was really worried, had to be honest with you, um, against Crystal Palace. Now, on the flip side of that, uh, we didn't concede from them. Well, I mean, we, we conceded from corner, but not yeah. the free kicks. Uh, but you've seen a lot of teams push their lineup right mm-hmm. onto the edge of the box. Um, but against Palace and against Southampton the other day, we were on the six-yard box. Um, for me, it's always harder then because it just takes a flick, doesn't it? And it can go in the goal, Tony. Uh, and, you know, almost, you know, you don't, you don't really make the opposition work from it. And, and Pickford's not exactly the most commanding at times, is he, in them positions? Definitely not. I mean, it's one of another problem of Jordan Pickford. I don't, I don't think I've actually ever seen the well, no, not ever. Like, but it's very rare that you see Jordan Pickford come off his line to come and collect the ball. Whereas you'd see the likes of you know Nick Pope, like they do do with easy and Fabianski. He's about the same size as him. He's not yeah. scared to come off his line and collect the ball. But Pickford, he's just always rooted to his line. You, you see, we have seen him punch the ball a lot more than I've ever seen him. So it's obviously something they've been working on with him. And that's almost what you want in that position for your keepers come out and just, just take anyone out. Obviously not in the, not in the nature he's done with Van Dijk as such, but, uh, you know, with his with his fist, you know, punching the ball away. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, it's just something to watch anyway, that deep line that we have been playing on the set pieces. Do you think, do you think they might be doing it? I might be overthinking it, yeah. But do you think maybe if we play a little bit deeper, you're inviting the other team onto you, which gives more pitch for like Richarlison and Calvert Lewin to run into if there's a clearance. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? From a good point. So, yeah. Because if 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 you're playing too high up, then they're going to run out of pitch before they get any long balls. So maybe if you're thinking of taking advantage of the pace and getting to turn the defender, if we're playing deep and inviting the other team onto us, and then we clear the ball, they've got a lot more room to. Get to the ball before they run out of pitch. And I suppose like they could be, that that might be overthinking it, but that's that's one thing. Reason why they could be. I there. suppose we've got two strong headers there, haven't we? And well, probably three. Henry Charleston starts. Henry Charleston, Mina, and Keane. Um, yeah. who are all pretty confident, and you know, obviously, as you say, that 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 pace that we didn't see at the weekends we've normally got. Um, the Athletic done an article today, and uh, again, I don't want to beat individuals up really because it was a collectively bad performance. But you know, we'll just look at the, look at some of the numbers anyway. The Athletic posted about a woe. We lost the ball thirteen times, quite a lot in the first half. That we had eleven passes, and half of them were wasted. In comparison, uh, Bernard had twenty percent in Southampton's half, uh, and he had a ninety percent pass completion rate, which is you know pretty high. Um, he also had three interceptions to Awobi's, as we mentioned before, Awobi zero. Uh, so them numbers are almost polar opposite there, Tony. I know you mentioned Awobi before. Um, we'll come on to, to, to obviously the, the barcodes as such for next week, but uh, it, it's pretty poor when you look at that. He's not really, he's not offering a lot going forward, and he's not doing a lot of uh, defensively either. Um, I, I just don't think the lefty suited there, is he? No, well, this, well, the start I've seen today is quite shocking. 30 games in the league, one assist and one goal. I mean, you know, he's paid, what, 30 odd million for him? And that's what you're getting. I just, you know, yeah, you, think... want, you don't want to fit as anyone. You want everyone to do well, but I really do think he's a mistake. He's, he's been a mistake of a signing. I think he was, um, it was um, what's the word? A panic buy, really. When he never got like, yeah, the talk of Zaha, and that's what he ended up going for. I think it was twenty-seven million, wasn't it? But like, yeah. it's still a lot of money. Uh, you know, it's he's not giving us a lot of bang for his buck at the moment. And I, I don't know. I just don't think he's suited to that left-hand side. You know, I think in the cup he's played, you know, slightly better centrally. Um, I think the right sometimes he looks a bit better there, but I, I, the left he just doesn't seem to to have that natural relationship with Luca Dean. No, um, Ben Bernard seems to actually strike up a, a good partnership with with Dean, uh, but. For whatever reason, and Rich Arson does as well, I just don't think that they've got that chemistry to play together and in front of each other. And I think balancing chemistry is everything. And we talk about, you know, taking one player out. And I think it's important that we give context to this, that 
that obviously it was 14 bad performances. You know, it wasn't just individuals. You know, obviously there the were individuals that we can look at stat-wise, but, you know, the, the balance just wasn't there. It just didn't really fit mm-hmm. right. And, you know, as a result, you know, it collectively the, the, the performance was bad across the board. Uh, if you look at the Premier League at the moment, uh, I think Arsenal are on nine points on in 10th place. But effectively, the, I mean, by the point, the one win off the top, and I know that we're only six games in, but it does really have a feel in this Premier League this season that any team, bar probably the bottom two, Fulham and Sheffield United, um, that anyone really can beat anyone else in the league, uh, you know, on, on any given day. Um, is that what you're getting from it, Matt? Or do you think it's still too early doors? Uh, we, we might see a few teams come into form. I, I think that that's right, because the way it's looking now, that um, City and United are so far off the pace already that you you think, although it's really early, you'd think being in that position after six games or whatever, you'd think they're just about out the title race. That might be a little bit too soon to say, but I think you're probably looking at a surprise top four this season because I do think that the teams that have been floating around mid to upper mid-table for the last couple of seasons have really consolidated, apart from us, like we've... You know, we we've been terrible the last couple of years, but like Leicester are always up there now, and you wouldn't have expected that a couple of years ago, even after they won the league. Um, and I'd say, you know, Wolves are always around as well. So I think it could it's anyone's league really, and I think that's why the Southampton game and the Newcastle game were probably more important than the derby for us to get three points in each of them because we need to start putting some distance between us and those sorts of teams because we can easily get sucked You, you mentioned a team there, Leicester, um, and you know it's easy for us to say, well, we want to replicate Man City or we want to replicate Chelsea. Now, obviously, we know that we can't do that in the world of financial fair play and the way the league's changed, but Leicester are probably the ones who have recruited quite smartly. Uh, obviously, the you know the anomaly of them win the league, but the, the, at the end of the day, you've got to give them the credit for they won the league and they've recruited well since. You know, you look at the likes. Yeah, because that what that was a freak season, but he, he take that freak season yeah. out of it, they've still been a pretty good, good team, team. Yeah, and I, I think a lot 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 of that their recruitment strategy. We you know obviously we tried to mimic it when we brought you know the PE teacher Steve Walsh in. Uh, I didn't really work, but you know you look yeah. at you know you can sell them Maguire for you know bought them for relatively cheap, sold them for eighty million. You know, they've just got rid of, um, well, not got rid of, but sold Chilwell for an extraordinary amount of Brooke Castagne. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, again, you know, Kante, they brought in Didi. They've consistently bought well um, across the board. Um, and it's pretty impressive, really. I think, you know, that, that would certainly be a test case that we should be looking towards them. And I don't think it'd be impossible to replicate that. When people say it's impossible to break that that top six, Tony, Um would you be looking at a Leicester model? Do you think that's something that we can do under Ancelotti? Yeah, most definitely, because, you know, obviously, Ancelotti, the name itself, obviously, um, it's that bigger name players. You've already seen it um, this season by getting hammers. Um, and also Alan. Alan obviously had loads of choices. Actually, good clubs as well last year because he went to PSG. But he ends up at Everton and sole reason for coming was to play for Ancelotti. Um, so obviously you've got Brandon's there, but obviously it's Brandon's job, obviously to you know have the scouting network to find these these gems, and obviously we think we might might have found one where um and Conku, who um obviously if interestingly enough if Dean is out um for the next three games, I'm really excited to see what that kid can do in the league. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it, the early signs are that, he, that he's looking like a you know a fantastic acquisition. He's got he's got a bit of everything in his game. He almost seems to be the player that City thought they would get when he bought Mendy, um, down that left hand side. Um, now we'll go on to Dinye actually in the whole uh, red card situation shortly. But this is something I was going to say. Obviously, when when we lose a game, Twitter always becomes a bit of a toxic place, doesn't it? You know, it's. You, yeah. you're almost scared to say something on there you know or stick up for someone you know we're getting flack but I think you, you touched on it before that it was collectively a bad performance you know from from everyone I think even uh, Alan who, who has been our, our standard setter 
it, it's fair to say that he struggled. You know, he, he he certainly you know was a six or under himself. Um, but do you think this may have been partly due to the fact that we just can't play that formation and system without Richardson's individual work ethic and his outlet? And I'll leave that open to for for either of you to answer there. Yeah, because we haven't got when Richardson's not playing. We haven't got anyone else of his sort of calibre or even style that can do it. And to be honest, I think Gordon probably put himself in the frame ahead of Bernard and Awobi when he came in because he was a bit more direct with his running and a bit of pace. But he's only a kid. You can't you can't put that much sort of pressure on him. And he doesn't have the physicality yet either. So I think without Richarlison, we just can't play that sort of style. So, so that's an interesting one, that, because... That that leads to a wider consideration, doesn't it? Because in the summer, obviously, we're under no illusions that the Richardson carries on and the trajectory that he's carrying on. That he's already had a bit of interest from Barcelona, who you know noted to be struggling. Who's the manager again? Why the struggling? Ron, Ronald Koeman is his name. Yeah, I forget his name anyway. But he's managed to bring Barcelona into. Yeah, some some upstart, <laughs> but he's managed to get Barcelona mid table at the moment. Um, somehow, with you know, we'll see how long he lasts there. Um, maybe uh, Roberto Martinez might be next in line for the position. Um, but you know, it's it, it, it's it, it, it's you know, it's a big consideration, and I think that we take him for granted at times, certainly because of his age. But I seen a stat last season that he'd scored more goals in his first two seasons than Romelu Lukaku, and. You know, obviously, we all knew how much we loved Romelu Lukaku and the goals that, you know, valued the goals that he scores. Uh, but the fact he's playing on the wing part-time as well, um, we need to somehow change the trends because Dominic Calvert-Lewin's goal form has been down to having someone up there with him with the ability to join him and, and, and take the pressure of him being isolated. So I, I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but... I think, was anyone disagree that we need to change the formation while Richardson's out? No, I totally agree that we need to. What about yourself, Tony? Would you, would you think it's just a case of maybe bringing in someone else or do, you, or do you think it does need a rethink? The only issue is, Tom, is you change the formation, who do you put in? Because we've got no strikers. We've got Calvert-Lewin. Um, that's, well, I mean, as much as like you can be criticised, most people criticise most keen. You know, he was the backup striker. There's no one there now. Never replaced him. So you can't even go. You can't even go to up front, like to up top. In fact, like if the, if your wingers aren't there, it's, it's like who do you who do you put in there? Well, I'd have been tempted to go do a sort of like ride out in Ferguson type thing, like maybe push Hammers up front and then play him off Calvert Lewin. Play him as a ten. Because can, yeah, yeah. Box them because. Against Southampton, when he did get on the ball, he was nowhere near the, the goal. So maybe if you put him a little bit more advanced and got the ball up to him up there, he could have done something. Interesting you say that. You, I was talking in game, weren't we? And I, I, I was considered. I think I've mentioned to a few of the other lads on the chat that I'm on talking about maybe putting Sigurdsson as a wide right in that game and then bringing Hammers inside. That could be a way of uh, that we could have solved it. Maybe I mean, who are we to question Angelosi? But you know, I think you're right there that some way we need to get our best player, our best technical ball player into the game. And when we we haven't got that direct running and work rate of Richardson, we need to find some other way of doing it. And maybe it might just be playing him in that ten, so he's a bit more elusive. Yeah, and if you've got to go long ball, you've got to go long ball. Um, to win a football match. So uh, we we mentioned uh, we come on to Niles and Conku in, uh, very shortly, but we mentioned Luca Dean's red card, um, and, and obviously the situation that might put us in. Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to go around the houses before I disclose mine. Um, so uh, I'm by you know by all means share your opinion on it as well. Tony, uh, red cards, yes or no, and what you know justify either way. Uh, no, no red card. Um... I mean, he has a little kick, like there's like a little tiny bit of a kick at the beginning, and then he's running with him. But you can see that he's not trying to um, take him out the way that he put his hands up in the air. Unfortunately for him, that what's his name, Walker Peters, is it? His like yes, kind of yeah. gets stuck with um, Dean's foot on the back of it, and he kind of like rides along until he goes down. 
It's a bit of a weird one. I mean, like Dean, I, I, I don't think Dean for one second they wanted to even touch him, but unfortunately he did, and he, got, he kind of got stuck on the back of his leg somehow. Uh, what? Yeah, um, fair point, Space. Um, Matt, are you in agreement with Tony there? Yeah, I, I mean, he did have a little bite at him first. He looked frustrated, and it, to me, it looked like as he was chasing him, he was having a mental battle with himself, thinking, shall I just clip him here? And I think, if anything, he he would have thought, I'll just clip his heel or something and bring him down because I'm not getting sent off in this area of the pitch. But I don't think he meant to rake down the back of his leg. To me, that looked like it was he was running too close to him and it was a coming together. Um, I don't think he, he... I think he might have been wrestling in his head to bring him down, but I don't think he actually meant it at the time he actually brought him down, if you know what I mean. So I would have said, that, that yeah. looks like a booking to me. And it was more... It was more the the way he landed on his foot that probably convinced the ref to bring him down, coupled with maybe the fact that he had a little bite on him beforehand. Well, they actually, I, I agree with both both of you there. Um, obviously, it, it went to VAR, interestingly, and, and the referee didn't have a look at the monitor. Now, the the problem I think with this is is that we we've seen this a couple of times before. But when you slow things down, I think they look more cynical than they actually are. Yeah. And I think a situation where you are running, you know, elite, elite athletes are running at full pace. Um, you know, and you're talking two of the most dynamic fullbacks in the, you know, in the Premier League. You know, a young Cal Walker pieces. You know, he's a very good player. He's very fast across the grounds. Luca Dean. You know, he's a French international playing for the World Champions. Both running full pelts. You know, to suggest that that they can kind of alter the movements. You know. It, you know, if you slow it down, it, it probably does look absolutely terrible. But anyone knows, you know, two you know two elite athletes running at the same time in the same direction, it's quite easy for them to come together. Like the, I know Gary Lineker certainly felt strongly about it, and, yeah. and Jamie Redknapp both suggested the same. And and the key for me um, was well, two things. Firstly, the danger of slowing things down when they're in real time. But second of all, was was Luca Dean's reaction. I think he almost expected it to be turned around. Yeah. And then you seen that he was almost shocked when it didn't. And then he I think he became frustrated at himself, you know, in the tunnel. I think he, he was like, you know, hit the, the wall and stuff. And it didn't strike me as a fella that that had cynically looked to foul a player. Yeah. He struck me he struck me as someone really frustrated either at himself or the situation, maybe a bit of both. But I don't think the intent was there, you know, and people say, Well, you know, well, it still doesn't matter, you know, if it's a red card, it's a red card, but it was just that something that happens in the moment and they came together. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, won't it, if it's rescinded. Does anyone on here think it will get rescinded? I, I no. don't think it will. No, I want, I think it should be, but I don't think it will. And the reason why it won't get rescinded is because of the, the week before. I bought that on my Pickford. Yeah. Well, you, you, it's interesting you say that, Tony. And I, I think the media narrative's been a huge thing, and I, I, I kind of don't want to go back under. But you know, uh, doing a section on pick because we talked about it last week. But maybe if we just talk about the actual media narrative, I think you're right there that, that because of the Pickford incident this week, that, you know, we've been kind of being made to look like the bad guys, haven't we? All week, like this kind of, you know, this horrible dogged side that you know. Part of me actually likes that because I think we'd be missing a bit of that. But yeah. did that have any bearing on it? Do you think it's all that? I think I think so. There's as much as I don't want to be crying about um, you know, the media saying this, that, the other. They were, and even when Alden coming out and, and saying like Everton go over the top, we haven't put a foot in in the derby for years. So he's talking absolutely yeah. shite. It's nonsense. But isn't that it? Now, yeah. everyone's running with it, and now no, they say it that. Again, everyone believe it. They believe in that they're Everton, they're a dirty team. Enough, and that's been our problem. You know, you don't want to be dirty and going out to hurt anyone, but we have not put enough feet in for tackles. Years, maybe. So to to come out now and everyone to believe we're a dirty team, it's because of the narrative that's been going since that incident last week. It's incredible, isn't it? What 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 the level of reporting is, and you know, I was reading an article today saying that um, that a bit of divine intervention come into play to allow um, Allison to come back from injury early, 
um, uh, you know, he must have been nipping down to the local church saying a few prayers, and and he's had a, you know, almost like a divine miracle. Um, Tony, yeah, let's, uh, say he, let's it, say he can breathe easy now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, true. Um, but you know, it, it, it's incredible, isn't it? The the difference in reporting. Um, I, I seen again Jota again. You know that they're almost hyperballing him into the best player in the world. Tony the other day he was saying that. Um, you know, he, how well he started and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, as you know, I think, you know, Joss is a terrific player. He's obviously an Everton fan. Um, but, um, you know, do, do you think, Tony, sometimes that that, that, that comes into it? You, do you think it is a different level of reporting? Depends on what team that you play for. 100%, yeah. You know, it's just like the total witch hunt all over this particular challenge. And if you go back to the World Cup um, against Croatia in the semi-final, um, Pickford made a save, and all that was getting described as is like how brave it was and what a save it was, and it was exactly the same. Um, the challenge on Manzukas he done to Van Dijk to block the ball going in. He called a brick wall. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, it. yeah. So yeah, I mean, media analysis a huge thing, and. What what I mean, I don't want to all, all go totally negative on it. Um, one positive that I'm going to throw in there is seeing uh, Darren Lewis talking about houses the other day. I don't know if any of you lads seen that one on, on Sky. Um, and uh, obviously Darren's a, a massive Liverpool fan um, and he's in the mirror. So he's in John Cross's brigade and, and David Maddick. But he's incredibly unbiased. You know, and he, he was talking about how he believes that Everton are going places and you know, he saw about the Rooney article the other day talking, you know, real sense about Everton. I do think that Ancelotti's forcing a bit of an analysis of change, but I think what we've seen, certainly this week, that if there's still, uh, you know, there's still a, a separation between the, the, the Sky Six, to the, you know, the, the sides that are pushing on. There does seem to be a different level of reporting. Certainly. Um, so... Uh, a year ago today, actually, um, and I know this is a totally random topic, but I, I noticed on my memories on social media that I was sat in Costa Coffee having a seasonal Costa Coffee. Um, and I, I, I do hope that, that, that these gingerbread lattes and anything else, sounds a bit Tory, that doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 do, I do hope that the seasonal Costa Coffees for two quid to go are back in this year. Uh, we're getting to that time of the year. Obviously, we had the Halloween music to start. Um, and you know, it's a hard time of year for, for many people. Um, I, I had to go to my car before to get a couple of quids. I always keep a couple of quids spared in my car, um, just in case it's easy for like the tunnel or wherever you're going. And uh, I walked past someone that was begging for change, and it struck me I had no money because I could only use my cars. Oh, yeah, you know, I've just started using my cars all the time because of COVID mm. and all that. I'm not, you know, not carrying cash on me really, and, and it, it really upset me really. And I thought. This fella is probably, you know, it's it's a dead bizarre thing, but this fella all of a sudden is probably getting about ten percent of the money he normally gets because people aren't carrying around money. And you, you see them sitting uh, around by the grounds, by both grounds at the at the match, and they're, they're missing all yeah. all that, yeah, you know, potential uh, people are walking past us dropping a few quid in for them. They're not getting that. That's a lot of money. For I, them. And, you know, sometimes I feel terrible mode about little things. And, you, you know, these people are out there that really struggling, you know, that just fell on bad circumstances. And where I'm going on this, really, is let's kind of just talk about the wider issues of football at the moment because, obviously, we, we've, we're really lucky with Everton. Um, uh, you know, we, we've got, like to say, Dave Kelly and Robert Daniels, who do, who do the food banks. And, and you've seen that campaign in the week that has raised £100,000 where people are refusing to pay for the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there struggling at the moment, you know, and, and £15 a lot of money um, for people, you know, when they're already, already paying subscriptions and you've got this, the, the Tories basically just, just taking money off of working class people, left, right and centre, and, and, you know, furlough and, and everything else. People are suffering out there. Um, but it's, obviously, the Premier League are talking about this tomorrow. I'll start with you, Tony. Do you think that they've got to reverse this £15 per game? Uh, it's absolutely shambolic and disgusting. And how they can get away with it, and they're only gonna make things worse for themselves because you're just gonna have more people going towards the illegal streams. Um, why you couldn't have made an, an agreement with the what is it, Amazon Prime, BT, and Sky? 
to have a share of all the games. I don't know. I just don't know where this at fourteen ninety five come from. And I can't think in the right mind anyone wanting to pay to watch the likes of Fulham Burnley play each other for fourteen pound ninety five. Just gonna shoot themselves in the foot really. And the money could uh, uh, could go to the championship or League One, League Two where the teams like Wigan who who are gonna end up having the station. It's it's definitely very sorry what's going on at the moment, and, and obviously being from Liverpool, you're automatically left leaning, um, um, you know. So it's it's not nice to see. Um, Mass, would you echo Tony's thoughts? Do you think they need to to really look at this and revisit it and get rid of this fee? Definitely. Um, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it. There may be a reason that I'm I'm not aware of why they've come up with that sort of figure. You know, you don't know like contractually why these decisions are made, but on the well, face of it, it's an absolute PR disaster. Apparently, this is only going judging from articles that I've read, Matt, is this, um, that basically Sky and BT have the cameras set up at the games anyway. So, yeah. uh, they, 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 they agreed that they needed to show them, rightly so. You know, there's fans up and down the country that can't go to the game. And I, I don't think it's right, personally, that, you know, you go home in a way, uh, you used to see in the game every single week, and then all of a sudden you're just not allowed to see it. You know the game. Well, it was the perfect opportunity to thank everyone, wasn't it? So, you know, all these years you've been dragging yourself up and down the country, spending an absolute fortune. It's not your fault what's going on right now. So do you know what? We're going to give something back, and you can watch these games for nothing. You know, did that not even cross the mind to? even suggest that I think there's there's, there's certainly certainly an element that they that they're becoming more and more out of touch with the fans. You know, yeah. it does appear to be that the the everyday match going fans that are suffering. You know, Gunasaurus from Arsenal. You know, it's the people that that are like always on the bottom that they seem to be the ones who who will consider last. You know, and yeah, how much has how much has that saved them getting rid of Gunasaurus? How much money they honestly saved them? But it, it it just you know that it just it, it's just a mascot as such, but it's about what it means. You know what I mean? It's this fella's job. He's had it all, you know, for the, for you know decades apparently. This fella, and and he's been the fair. You know, they've, they've extended um you know Abamyang's contract, and I know people will say, well, you know, it's Abamyang and players like that that make the game. But we do seem to just becoming as a league more and more out of touch with the fans. Um, and they've just got to find some way to rectify it. The fifteen pounds way too much. What oh. whoever you know, whoever whoever come up with that figure, and I believe it was, it was a following a meeting, and they decided to look at what they what they could charge. I think they've just totally got it. They've totally misread the crowd. Well, the other week, to be honest, we have talked to my mate. He lives in Canada, and I'm sure he said, "Oh, it cost him to watch every single Premier League game live is twenty dollars a month." Yeah, you see, you see, that's the thing. Um, we're at a crossroads here now, and I think we need to stop becoming the elfal club. You know, we need to be a worldwide club. And, and over the last twelve months, I've met some fantastic blues from, like you know, blues in Canada. You know, from America. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Lin Chu from the, the Malaysian blues who, who who listened to our last podcast. And, and hello to you if you're listening again. Good on you. Um, and hopefully we can, we can meet you again. Uh, so we need to carry on the global growth, and that's good. But at the same time, we need to remember both. You know, we need to remember the local fans as well, um, and pricing them out of being able to watch every game when when fans abroad can watch every game. I, I, I just don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. I think they've got to make it fair for everyone, and they've, they've got to make it affordable for everyone. And at a time where everyone in this country is struggling, football is everything. Football's what we are. You know, we we are Everton Football Club. Our, our parents at Everton Football Club, our, our grandparents at Everton Football Club, and you know our grand, you know our kids and grandkids will be Everton Football Club. To take us away from the game and not allow us to watch it and not allow us to be part of it, it just doesn't sit right for me. Definitely not. Um, so sorry to sidetrack away from that, but you know I've just been really thinking about it the last the last few days really, and, and seeing some of the great Evertonians go out there doing the great work with the food banks. Uh, seeing people struggling on the street, seeing people, you know, seeing businesses having to come together, local businesses having to come together to put on meals for people's kids. You know, we're, how we got that? You know, how, how can we call ourselves Great Britain? 
We haven't been great Britain for a there's long time. There's nothing great about it. There's nothing. There's nothing. I, no. mean, I don't want to be unpatriotic or whatever, but like we're we're not a great country anymore, and it's debatable in the grand scheme of things whether we actually ever were. But you know, I I like my country as much as the next person, but it doesn't mean you don't have to be embarrassed of it. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm proud of the the way that you know that we are left leading city and the, and the way everyone's come together. You know, right the way across the city, there's been you know cafes, restaurants, you know everyday heroes like Dave Kelly and Robert Daniels stepping forward and, and helping people along may continue because we're gonna have to really club together. You know, collectively right across the board, um, blue or red. You know, I think they're slogans that the whole uh, you know that 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 says that as such. But we we need we we need, really need to come together as a city right now because. You know, we're going to be up against it for some time by the looks of things. Um, but, yeah, just moving back onto the football side of things, I, I know we kind of went slightly off piece there, but, um, you know, it's important that we talk about where we are right now. Uh, and while I'm fretting about basic things like the cost of coffee last year, it, I, I felt really guilty before when, when I seen that fella on the street and I thought, why am I even thinking that way? At the moment, we just need to be looking out for one another. Uh, so we're going into a game next week against the Barcode Horse Bunches. Um <laughs> And, you know, I always want to beat them. You know, I think Jordan Pickford's probably about the same as well. And we've got some questions, you know, we've got some questions now based on this performance. One part of me says, let's not overreact. Let's not hyper-analyse. You know, I think we naturally get drawn to the players that we don't like. So no one will say that Alan is terrible based on that one performance. No. But people will jump on the players that they don't like, you know, you know, because it's just it's human nature. You've got that cognitive bias, and you you'll jump on Bernard or the Wobi or you know Davis, Yeri Mina, David. You know, Dom Davies playing. No doubt you've been jumping on him and his stuff. Oh, I've seen him getting. But, you know, it's human. He didn't even play. I'd mention that on <laughs> someone was saying something needs to sell him. He's not good enough. Didn't even play. <laughs> Incredible, isn't it? Really, but uh, you know, there's, there's big, there's big question marks about what we do in this next game, um, and we can't be losing against the horse punches. No. Um, we we need to find a way to beat them. Interestingly, I think they they at the moment they they play quite narrow, don't they? I think they've got some wing backs, but um, I, I think they have that 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 kind of three, well, whichever way you play, but three five two or five. I've got get my numbers mixed up the back <laughs> way, <laughs> but three. Yeah, they play. They, they they play with you know they play with the wing backs there. Um, so three five two is the natural way of saying it. Um, obviously we've got to be wary of that. Uh, but Shelby's out, and I'm glad about that because Voldemort always seems to play yeah. well against us. He's another one of them extra players that sometimes ups his game against us and, and just seems to play well. So I'm quite glad that he's out. His return date's not till November. Um. Would you change it, Bass? Would, would, would you totally, you know, obviously the, the, bear in mind that they are playing this kind of this wing backs system. We don't want DCL to be up against three centre halves. That's a big consideration. I'd do I think. What, what, like, I'd what, do what, what would you I do? Yeah, that I'd push if he's fit because he didn't look fit at all on on uh, Sunday. But I'd push Rodriguez up a little bit and put someone out wide, maybe Sigurdsson. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd go again and give them another chance, to be honest, because I'd like to think that that weekend's game was just a, a one-off coupled with Southampton actually being pretty good. You know, we don't give them enough credit for, the, you know, they did the job on us there. And um, that's not saying that Newcastle are going to do the same. I might be tempted to faith, but the shit, Newcastle, I hate them. If, if we were ever going to go down and only win two games, I'd want to beat Newcastle and West Ham. <laughs> I just I hate them. I, I don't know why. I can't explain what it is. I, over the last couple of years, I've got to know a couple of Newcastle fans, and I really like them as people. But I just can't get over this hate for Newcastle, and I would love to absolutely batter them. But giving them a bit of credit, we've been two 0 up twice against them in the last two seasons, and they've come back and beat us three two, and then drew two all. As a an actually quite sound Newcastle fan reminded me on Twitter the other day. So can't really take anything for granted. I'd like to think we're going to win the game, but, you know, history would suggest that until the final whistle is gone, we need to make sure that we're doing a job on them rather than them doing it on us. 
Yeah, fantastic. I could, could, could have said better myself. I actually, I, I again, I work with someone who's a Newcastle fan, and she's a she's a season to get older, and she's a fantastic. Um, you know, she's a fantastic fan, really level headed. But for some reason, oh, online geez. you come into the worst possible scenarios, don't you? And and, and like Poundland Copites, you know they, <laughs> that's all he says to you. You know, you're in Liverpool's shadow. Well, that's not your success, is it? So why why are you throwing that at me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not no, even the biggest club in the city and all that but, kind of shit. But uh Ian Orm yeah. there, who's a who's a big Newcastle fan. He's at, I really like him as a person, but sorry, I hate your club. You know, I can't stand as well that Faustino is prayer. He's got too much to say oh, for yeah. himself, has yeah. he? He's a tiff. He's always piping up him. He was having a go when uh, when we got Rodriguez telling him not to go there. And uh, his goal scoring records, is, when I looked at it, I think it was worse than the asses. <laughs> uh, but they always rave about him like he was yeah. a well beater. He wasn't fouled around, um, was he? But apart from. Yeah, it was crap, a sprayer. He just. A, a couple of skills here and there, and yeah. that's it. Ter- you know, remain terrible. I know that, you know, appreciate he probably played better when he was with Colombia. Um, but, you know, for. for Newcastle, you know, I don't, I don't know where he thinks he's this master of being able to say all kinds of all of a sudden. But uh, Tony, would you echo Matt's thoughts there, or would you change it up a bit more? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's not really much choice, is there? Uh, what you can do. Um, but if you're going against the flower, I think you do need two up top, as you said. But I need, I think you need pace down the wings. But who is he? Who's got it any pace apart from? There isn't many ones. To be honest with you, if Dean was available, I'd even think about giving pushing and Conku to play left wing, just for that directness and drive going forward. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. That um, it, it's something that we used when, um, if we, if we can remember back when Seamus Coleman was first came coming through, sixty grand Seamus Coleman. Um, he had, he, he, he had to work a bit defensively on his game. So I remember Moyes playing. He probably played a mixture of Hibbert and Neville at right back and then played uh, Seamus Coleman in front of him. And it always seemed to work quite well. Yeah. Um, he naturally obviously had a, a more defensive side than a natural left winger. But then he obviously, you know, had that really attacking instinct. And I think Niles and Konku, Tony, he's got that one versus one. Confidence in him where he does appear to not be scared of putting his head down. That's what he does. Demand, yeah, he? Literally every time I'm watching him, he, he, he gets the ball. His mind's never to go back. It's always just to go forward. And, you know, that's what we, what we miss big time. Uh, the other day, you can sell Dampton. That's what Charleston does. For Charleston, doesn't want to go back. He wants to go forward. And again, I think that's what you need to do is replace that. And I think the only person who we've got who could do that is in Conco. Yeah, so so basically, we're hoping that Luca Dean's car gets overturned, and then maybe you can do a, a bit of a, a double up on that side. I mean, why not? And I, you know, again, I, I know this is I'm probably going to get pelters for this, but could you even put the Wobie right wing? I'm mean, you know, obviously, if Hamez is out, then play you know Gordon centrally. Well, what about, maybe what about um, Calvert Lewin with Wobie sat behind him? Yeah, yeah, yeah you could even, even do that. And, and then, right, we're going to get people going, oh, I won't be shite and all that, that kind of stuff. Which I, 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 I'll, I'll say this right now, I don't think that we should have ever bought a Wobi. Do I think he's a bad player? No. Do I think he's an Everton player? No. But we've got him. And um, and, and unfortunately, we couldn't we, we couldn't just buy another 10 players in the summer markets. We had to... We had to spend our money wisely, speculate to accumulate, and I think we spent it well. We didn't have that excess funds to just totally turn the squad around. And for now, we've just got to cope with what we've got. And I will be part of that. Um, so it's about getting what, what you know the best out of what we've got. So yeah, no, I think that's an interesting option. But it may be bringing him aside as that ten and tell him to get as close to DCL as he can. But I, I think interestingly, that's similar to how we played in the cup. Yeah, as well, yeah, wasn't it's it? Made sense, and he scored, and he had a good game, to be honest. I think it was more like, you know, and this is one I'm going to throw at you. Well, one or two things I'm thinking, because we put Delph in and then put Takure where he played for Watford, I'm playing him as like that eight role, but tell him to, to get as close as he can to the centre forward because he's got the energy yeah, to get yeah. up and down. 
Um, so similar, you know, sim, sim, you know, uh, that, and then obviously take a Wobi out, put Bernard on, so he's a bit more direct, a bit more, you know, you know, a bit more uh, aggressive in in his running, uh, and and he can get up the field faster. So we've still got that pace to break forwards. So that'd be one option. The other option is what you've just said there. You know, I totally agree with you. You know, we may move Wobi into a totally different position and and get him to to play a bit more centrally, where he can just concentrate and get on the ball. I, I, I'm full, you know. I, I keep try, trying to love Gilfie Sigurdsson, but every time I do, he lets me down again. And I don't know how many times yeah, that I can be let down. I was I was singing his praises last time I was on, and I saw the stat on that squawker or something. That, did someone share it on the group that he's only was it five yeah, out yeah. of his last eight appearances he hasn't created a chance or something? I just thought oh, I, I, I must I must <laughs> be watching something completely different. Because I'm blinded by he does one good thing and all of a sudden I love him again. But the, he did, we hit yeah. the bar, didn't he? The other day, yeah. and then he just didn't do fuck all. When I look at the yeah. cold hard stats on paper, I just think, why do I still like this player? And someone, someone, tell me why <laughs> I still think he should get a game because I can't answer. Well, I, I, I've been cursing him, at, you know, time for us to sell him, you know, all, all summer. Uh, and then he came back, and then I thought to myself, right, I'm going to give everyone a clean slate. Uh, when we were talking before about having your own biases and stuff, I thought, I'm going to just forget that I didn't like him last season. And, you know, and, and for me, he played well. You know, I've seen him in a couple, couple of samples. Yeah. Plays well, yeah. And he came on, you know, in a couple of games, and he's, he, he, he's been really productive on the ball, industrious. Uh, and then the other day, you know, I, I, I asked him to start. Um, well, I, you know, when he did start, I, I kind of accepted that in football. You know, we could have a good game here at the bar and I thought, there we go. Maybe you've got a different player, but then he just disappears. And it, 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 he's just so slow tempo-wise, isn't he, on the ball? He used to be just no agency though. at all. And he... What was that game when he got injured? I was, I, was, I remember I was there and for some reason I was in the park end and I was looking down the pitch when he got injured and he carried on until about half-time maybe. And then he was out after that, and he's never been the same player since. I can't remember who we were playing, but he's, he seems to have lost that yard of pace, and he wasn't the fastest to begin with. So I think that's done for him, really. I think he got a knee injury or a hamstring it's injury a, or something. You know what strikes me of him, though, Matt? It's his awareness. Well, yeah. You know, he always seems to have to take a comfort touch. That's a confidence thing. And that. sometimes it's natural. Yeah. Well, you, you see, Hammers, you know, Hammers is, doesn't take a comfort touch. You know, he, he's almost aware of the picture before he gets yeah. the ball. And he's beating beaten a man the second he touches it. Guilty seems to feel like he has to touch it. Then he does a bit of a turn and then he comes inside and play. And, 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 and Awobi does that as well. And that, the, the pair of them in the same side, it just seems to kill yeah, our temper. That's all the time in the league, especially in the, in the positions of the league we want to be getting up into. You know, you want to get in the Champions League. You, you haven't got that sort of time on the ball. Well, Bernard, Richardson, Hammers, they're all players that, that just zip the ball, touch it, flick it. You know, whichever way you do it, they're, they're, you know, the the quick on the ball, the quick in the, you know, they, they set a certain tempo when they play the game. Whenever a Wobie plays and whenever Sigurdsson plays, it just does seem to reverse that whole process. And I think Gordon's actually a bit better than the pair of them in terms of the tempo that he plays at. And bizarrely, Delph is. Gordon definitely, Delph, I'm not too sounds... sure about, but he does. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I can see where you're coming from with Delph, to be honest, uh, compared to them too. He's not a bad footballer, you know. Taking away the bias again, you know, when you actually see him, when he's sharpish on the ball, you know, he, he's quite confident on, you quite happily knock a ball around someone. Or, I think he's got know, that confidence from you know, playing with um, and people like that. And that's why I think it's a confidence thing with Sigurdsson. Sutton's knocked him. And he, I don't think he's going to get it back now. No, I just wouldn't. He's not in contention for me against Newcastle whatsoever. I wouldn't even begin to, to, to fascinate an opportunity where he plays. Even if Hammers is out, I'd like to see Gordon come in. I just I don't want to see Guilty Sigurdsson starting the game. Um, Gomez has been another interesting one. Is there any arguments to start Gomez? Or would you just no, think I would we'll start Gomez, yeah, you was fair enough. What, what, what was what would be your, I think your reasoning? Be, uh, he'll bring more. What's the word? You no know, calmness to the midfield. You know when we start like the first couple of games, especially Tottenham, that midfield 
them like the them team in the midfield. Yeah. Well, we yet them team in the midfield. It seemed to be balanced. I mean, he struggled in the derby, but again, you remember, he being out, and he brought him straight back into the derby, and he playing against the highest presses that you get on the league, like yeah. that whatever they get, whatever they put in their in their manilas, that they giving them. <laughs> Don't stop running, yeah. really. They were hundred miles an hour. Liverpool, they just swamped us for the first few minutes. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge Gomez just on that. But I think he does bring more of a balance when we've got them other players in. Yeah, so well, there you go. So it's another consideration of bringing Gomez back in there. So, I mean, it, it, it's a bit you, you, you know, you, you, you've made a really good point, you know, points there for Gomez, uh, and it's it's a big consideration for Carla really. And this is what world class managers get the money for. You know, it's it's not the times where we're just strolling round the pitch, pinging balls, winning games, and scoring five goals. It's the times when we do have a bit of a, a bump yeah. in the road, and. Carlo was speaking on Sky the other day, and he was said he, he he actually said his own words before the game. Look, there's still a long way to go. He feels as though we're still short of quality, and I think we can all see that. You know, it's we haven't got two hundred million just to spend on one window, and we can't just buy you know fifteen players in one window and get you know a sad and Carlo shape. But we're on the right path, and I think we just need faith. We need we need a bit of trust. Um, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be times like last week again, where we're, where we're going to have to just, we're going to have to take it on the chin and just say it's a game, it's an off day, and, and it didn't happen. I'm just have faith in the wider picture. Um, I, and this is this is a, a man that I'd, I'd never thought that I'd be talking about, um, because I thought he'd be gone in the summer. But the curious tale of Cheng Tosin. Um, obviously, I think Josh King was linked, you know. At, Again, it was being a short-term move. I don't. It's impossible to know the prices that we're getting asked for and all kinds of stuff. So it's impossible really to jump on it and say, you know, you know, why didn't we bring him in? You just don't know the situations. Uh, and obviously, we we ended up with Balassi, who's on a lot of money, and Mo Besic, both out of the squad, but on you know picking up a wage each week. So I think that must have affected it as well. But Cheng Tosin is there any? Obviously, the weekends we just didn't have another striker to bring on. Is is there a case for Chang Cheng Tosin actually playing a part in the season? Not on his Matt, own. I'll start with you. I think he plays well as a two, and he's he's a decent finisher. But I'd, he hasn't got it in him to lead that line on his own. If he was doing it like that, he's he's a poor man's no. Calvert Lewin. But if you played the two of them up front together in certain games, I think he could do the job. He's not a bad player when he plays up front for Turkey in a two, but um, definitely not on his own. Definitely not. I'm gonna have people. We're gonna have people screaming at this podcast. You know, <laughs> listen to us mention his name, but uh, but you know, it's again, it's we, we none of us are saying that we want Cheng Tosin to be a long term player for Everton Football Club, but unfortunately, he's the only backup striker we've got. So we've just got to look. You know, can we get yeah. what can we get out of him for now, uh, even if it's just till January? Uh, Tony, you're in agreement with Matt there. Do you think you know? Do, yeah. do you think he, he's an option? For you, would you start him just off the bench? Or, well, I'm in total agreement. Um, and obviously has played 4-4-2 in the past, especially with Napoli. That's how they set up. So if you were to drop the Charles and then to the left mid and have Tosin and Carl Balloon up front, I think that's the only way it'd work. He hasn't got the pace, as you said. He's got no pace whatsoever, so he's not going to work on his own up front. But when you see Jank Tosin, you give him the ball and he gets space. And if he's facing goal nine times out of ten, it's going to the back of the net. He can't finish. He is a tough finish. And the way Everton have yeah. been playing, like, say you do have the Charles and, and you know, overlapping ping and balls into him, he'll get a few, most definitely. But, as I said, you'd, you'd think you'd need him up with support up front. So, I think it's fair to say that it's obviously... Ella Sims there as well, but a lot of people are telling me I, I can't proclaim to be watching a lot of the the young, you know, a lot of the the under twenty threes here. But a lot of people tell me that that he's still got a lot lot of work, work to do on his all round game, but he's a good finisher. Um, this is what I'm I'm getting at here is that if Cheng Tosin's just a finisher and Ella Sims is just a finisher, Tosin. which one would you go with? Yeah, it's too much of a step up. Tosin. People are underestimating how big a step up it is from. That under twenty three league to the Premier League, you know, it's the under twenty three league is is worse than the old reserve league for competitiveness. It's a massive step up, and you'll ruin the lad by throwing him in. 
I, what about I, yourself, Tony? Totally agree as well. Yeah, um, it is. It's just a different level. I mean, I watched the under twenty one, under twenty three. Sorry, um, when they won the league that year, and he was a kid. Uh, his name Josh Bowler. He um, looked outstanding every single time I watched him, but he struggled in the championship for it all. Yeah, well, I think we've had a few like that, haven't we? Obviously, Pennington's gone out to the championship. Not really made his mark. You've got Kidron's Ali showed signs of brilliance and, and not really made his mark. Um, so I think you, you're quite right there. It is a step up. And, and maybe Cheng Tosin might just have a bit of a purpose for us. You know, we would never have thought we'd be in this position. But obviously, when, when we've got a full strength size, you know, Kababans to come back in, Holgate to come back in. You know, there's a lot of players to come back in here, but Cheng Tosin, you know, the last 10 minutes, if you're chasing a game and you're crossing balls in and you just need someone to put that finishing touch, you might, you might certainly be something that we can use towards, certainly towards January at least, and then, you know, we might team calls on loan somewhere yeah. or, or a transfer. So, right, um, that brings us to a close. Um we need to beat these Barco's horse punches at the weekend. We can't be losing against them. Um, if we want, you know, games like the other day happen, we're going to come come across the bumps in the in the rows. But we've got Carlo Ancelotti. You know, we've, there's a lot to be proud of at the moment. Everton Football Club. We've got Bramley Moore on the horizon. So we don't listen to the narratives. Don't listen to to what some of the the, the other sides are saying about us. Um, and we can be quite happy. Uh, and confident that we're going in the right way. Uh, the bigger picture is always what we should be looking at and, and adding context to little bumps in the road. So thank you for listening. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, Tony, Matt, thanks as always. Um, and uh, we'll catch everyone soon. Bye for now.